0: This is
1: I really want to encourage you to do, you should make a prayer list. Because what's really powerful is if you make a list of things that you're praying for, and then you also write down the fulfillment of those prayers, talk about something that really encourages our faith. God hears our prayers. He keeps them in the book of Revelation in golden bowls before his altar, like incense. Like God cherishes our prayers. And then God also acts in accordance with his perfect plans, and he wants us to be a part of all that.
0: Prayer is an essential part of your relationship with God, but it's not always easy. You don't always remember to stop and pray in situations. Even when you do, you may wonder if God is really even listening. Well, today, Pastor Daniel will share that God is listening. The Bible tells us that he cherishes those prayers. God cares about you, about those around you, and about the world as a whole. And through prayer, he's inviting you into his plans. Now here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Colossians chapter 4 as he begins a brand new message, Jesus Leads His Church. Jesus
1: is You know, we love looking at famous last words, don't we? Like the last thing that someone is going to say to you always uh, takes on the greatest of importance, right? And I always think about this because when I first started coming here to Crossroads, before I was uh, one of your pastors here, I remember our founding pastor, Bill Ritchie, he invited me to come and to preach. And and first time I came and preached and, you know, and then God started moving and, and Pastor Bill was looking for his successor. And I never forget, I got invited to come and preach again about, you know, about two months later. And it was really like like, hey, we want to make sure that, that you just didn't have one good message that you know how to preach, and so I'll never forget. So I said, "Why don't you do this, Pastor? But why don't you give me the text you want me to preach on? You know, uh, the week before, and I'll just put them. I'll put a message together, especially for crossroads, and, and we'll do that. And so, sure enough, I did that. I remember I showed up, and Bill was there, and, and I'll never forget because you know I was standing back, you know, behind the pulpit, you know, off stage, and I remember Pastor Bill was there, and right as the the, the sermon intro showed on up. Pastor Bill just leaned in. He said, hey, I'm like, what? He's like, I got something to tell you. I said, what? He's like, don't lay an egg. And then he told her, about, and he laughed, and he just walked away. And I remember at that point, it was like, he was, he was kind of messing with me. If you know Pastor Bill, our founding pastor, that's totally his personality. But I always think about that. It's like the last thing he said to me before I was going to go on out, and I was hoping to preach well, and, and obviously God did a work because, you know, I'm still here today. But that, that line— don't lay an egg, and it, I, I tell people this story all the time because it was like when I think about our founding pastor, just—he's giving me a hard time, and he just—just just the way he—if you know, pastor—he just chuckled like a big belly laugh. He just totally turned around and walked away. See, the last thing that people say to us has a lasting impact on us. Now, of course, Pastor Bill and I have had lots of conversations since then, but you know, when I think about you know important people, their their last things that they're going to say—you know—I remember uh, when I was in college and we were writing papers and somebody. said, here the key is you always have to have a good introduction and a good conclusion. And if you meander a little in the middle, as long as people get where you're going and then you land the plane in the end, it's pretty good. And so I bring this up because we've been doing this series called Understanding Jesus, and we've been journeying with the Apostle Paul uh, as he's been encouraging the church in Colossae. And really today is the day that we're going to be closing out that message. And so we're going to be looking together at how the Apostle Paul chooses his last words to the church in Colossae. So in order to get at this today, I want you to open up your Bibles to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4, as we kind of close out this Understanding Jesus series. And all through Paul's letter to the Colossians, we've been really just seeing this is who Jesus is. And what we're going to see today is that Jesus leads his church. That Jesus is the leader and he leads his church. So open up another browser window if you have a mobile device or you look at a tablet or whatever, Colossians chapter 4. And I think what we're going to find today is that the Apostle Paul has very specific Things that he wants the church in Colossae to remember, which I also think are very important for us as individuals. So, picking up Colossians chapter 4, we're going to be picking up in verse 2. It says, Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains. Verse four, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Now, really what these verses are pushing us towards is that you and I, we want to be the fragrance of Christ. We want to be the, the fragrance of who the Lord is. We want to be the fragrance of Christ in the world. And really the apostle Paul gives us two areas of focus. Verses 2 to 4, the focus is on prayer. And then verses 5 and 6, the focus is on our witness or our testimony with people who are outside of the church and how we ought to move through those who are outside of the church. But I don't want you to miss the fact at all that these two are actually linked together. If we're going to be the fragrance of Christ, then really Prayer is going to be where we appropriate the nature of Jesus and and we understand who he is and what he's wanting to do. And then from prayer, then we move into out of the overflow of our prayer lives, we move into how we witness, how we share, how we speak with those who are outside. And really, our prayer lives drive the fragrance that we are in the world. And so he says, Listen, I want you to continue earnestly in prayer, verse 2, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving and so really saying that they should devote themselves to to personal prayer. They need to persist, they need to continue it in you know in prayer and they need to be vigilant in it. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm always working on my prayer life because there's just something about like it's like if you're reading the Bible and you get into a good rhythm with a Bible reading planet, it's easy, but prayer is a little bit more challenging right? Where it's like, and that idea to continue earnestly in it and to be vigilant in it. Where you and I need to make sure we pick up prayer, that, that, that wartime walkie-talkie where we talk to our, our Heavenly Father and we learn like, okay, this is who I am in Christ and this is what God wants for me. And, and in these situations in my life where I need wisdom or I, I, need, I need revelation and I, I'm meeting with the Lord and I'm really talking to Him. I've always said it, that prayer is not getting our will done in heaven. It's linking up hands with God to get his will done on earth and it happens through prayer and we need to be a people of prayer we know of course that you know God wants his church his house to be a house of prayer And God wants your life to be its own tabernacle of prayer where you're spending time talking to the Lord, letting him talk to you. You're spending time in the presence of God and also it's a time for thanksgiving where we spend some time to say, God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done in my life. Thank you for what you are doing in my life. I think with all that's going on in the world right now, you know, here in the state of Washington, you know, we're back kind of on some sort of modified stay-at-home orders. It's like, this is a golden opportunity for us to spend time in prayer. You know, it's like, where does you have to drive to work? You can actually... Stay home and pray and then go on your Zoom call or whatever it is. See, we want to take the opportunities that God is giving us and take some time to thank God for the things that you have and and for what he's done in your life and and for the things that are going on around you. Even thank Him for the things that didn't go well or right for you because you know that you're learning. You're growing in the midst of all of this. But don't only pray for yourself because then Paul also says, meanwhile, verse three, praying also for us that God would open to us a door For the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. So not only should prayer be for ourselves, but we should also be praying for other people. And Paul is, he's not selfish here. He's inviting the church in Colossae to pray for him and the ministries that he's doing. And I want to encourage you to pray for other people. Pray for the ministry that they're doing. Listen, I want to thank you for your prayers for the Crossroads family. You know, you realize that right now when you talk about getting the gospel out, speaking about Jesus, declaring the mysteries of who Christ is, in our day and age with all the digital technology we have and the television and the radio and and mobile apps and all these different things, that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, somebody is, is receiving content from Crossroads. And when you pray, God, will you do a work there? When you say, Lord, will you allow us to reach more people to reach them in a way that they can understand lord will you drench your word with the holy spirit so that people may meet with you over the bible as it relates to crosses or other ministries that you like see when we begin to pray for one another god is always inviting us outside of our individual lives god knows that in our fallenness we're self-centered and so not only do we pray for ourselves god's not saying don't pray for yourself but paul's like hey listen You continue to pray. Continue to be thankful. Be vigilant in prayer. And then also pray for us. And what I really want to encourage you to do, you should make a prayer list. Because what's really powerful is if you make a list of things that you're praying for, and then you also write down the fulfillment of those prayers, talk about something that really encourages our faith. God hears our prayers. He keeps them in the book of Revelation in golden bowls before his altar like incense. Like God cherishes our prayers. And then God also acts in accordance with his perfect plans and he wants us to be a part of all that. And so we don't only pray for ourselves, we pray for other people. And then through this praying for ourselves, being grateful and thankful and praying for others, then of course we move into this idea of our witness in the world. Notice what it says, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside redeeming the time. So really the exhortation is that God not only cares about you as an individual, and then the church as a whole, as you pray for other believers, that God would use them in powerful ways, but God also cares about those who are outside the church. And he says that you want to walk in wisdom to those who are outside, and you want to redeem the time. And what that means is that because you don't have a lot of time with people, you want to make sure you maximize the time. So much of our In our present moment, so much of the interaction between the church and folks who are outside is not walking in wisdom, it's walking in foolishness. where people are arguing about all these things. And they're not even talking about Jesus. They're arguing about all these other things. But really, we want to walk in wisdom. We want to redeem the time. Of course, in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, it said, redeem the time because the days are evil. He's saying, time is short. And so we want to walk in wisdom. And as we talk to people who are outside of the church, just the way we do inside the church, it says, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. So the content of our communication the way we speak we want it to be full of grace the grace we've received we passed it along we wanted to be seasoned with salt of course jesus said that you are the salt of the earth and he wants our salt to maintain its its flavor and god wants us to say lord will you let us communicate with those who are outside of the church in such a way that they become recipients of grace, that they know your grace, they know your goodness, they know who you are, and we give them answers to the questions that they have. See, all of this is what it means to be the fragrance of Christ. You know, you think about in prayer, you ever hug somebody who likes to use a lot of, you know, perfume, you know? You, you hug them and then you walk away smelling the way they smell, right? And then you go see someone else and am like, oh, you're wearing perfume, Pastor Daniels? Like, no, no, I must have given somebody a hug before we were social distancing, of course, you, know, you take on their, their, their fragrance and then you pass it along. And in the exact same way, prayer is almost hugging the Lord and getting his fragrance on you. And then we move into the world and then we, we share the good news and we witness to what the gospel is. And so God wants us to be the fragrance of Christ. Of course, Second Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 to 16 says exactly that. He says, now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For you are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death, and to the other we are the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? So if you're here and you're hearing this and you're a follower of Jesus, then you want to be the fragrance of Christ. We receive it in prayer, and then we share it with the world. And I also realize one of the things that I love so much about the Crossroads family is that we realize that everyone's on a different step of their journey. And there are many of you who are watching this right now who you're not yet a follower of Jesus. And it's my sincere hope that first that you would become a follower of Jesus, that you might be the fragrance of Jesus in this world. And it's God's desire that you would be a vehicle for his fragrance to enter the world. But it's also my hope that the Crossroads family would be a place where you're like, there's something special. There's something life-giving about the Crossroads family. I'm here to tell you, at best, a great church is the fragrance of Christ in the world. That we we are part of God's plan to diffuse the magnificence of who he is into the world. And it's my sincere hope that the Crossroads family is that to everybody, no matter where they're coming from. Now, From there, from verses 7 to 15, the Apostle Paul is going to do his kind of final greetings. He's going to shout out his people and all that. So really, if I want to give a theme for this, really what we want is each one of us, we want to be a fully engaged family member. We want to be a fully engaged family member, because in these verses, verses 7 to 15, we're going to see all these different people who are fully engaged in the family of faith that is the church, and God is using all these different people in unique ways. Look at what it says. It says, verse 7, Tychicus, or you can syllabify it, Tychicus, depending on how you like to say it. So everyone say, Tychicus. Everyone say, Tychicus. You choose the way you want to say it. I'm not really sure, but either one. I'm going to go with Tychicus because I like that one. Tychicus, a beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you, they will make known to you all things which are happening here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you with Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are my fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision. They have proved to be a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has a great zeal for you and those who are in Laodicea and those in Hierapolis, Luke, the beloved physician and Demas greet you, greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and Nymphus, and the church that is in his house." Now, what I love about all all these different people who Paul references here are people who Paul is doing the work of the ministry with. They're his friends, and they're his co-labors, and each one of them plays an essential part in the work that God has for the church in their generation. And because of that, they're found here in Scripture. And the same is true for us. Now, listen, we're not necessarily Paul's companions bringing his letters to the church of Colossae or, or these different things, but each one of us has an essential part to play. That's why we want to say that we want to be fully engaged family members. If you know the, the vision of Crossroads, it's because Jesus is real. We're a family of faith, fully engaged transforming our community and our world. And so when I read a list of all these different people who are fully engaged in the work that God has for them, I am always like, oh yeah, this is true for them, and may it be true for us. God wants all of us to be engaged. Now, if you look at the list of these different people here, of course, you have Tychicus, or as I said, you can syllabify Tychicus. You know, he's a beloved brother. He's a faithful minister. He's a fellow servant in the Lord, and he will tell you all the news about me. I am sending him to you for this purpose that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will make known to you all things that are happening here. So it would seem that, you know, uh, Tychicus and Onesimus, they were bringing this letter, and they were making sure they find out the stories of what was going on, and then they were reporting back to the Apostle Paul what was going on. Of course, Tychicus was mentioned by Paul in 2 Timothy, in the book of Titus, and Onesimus was interested. He's a converted, runaway slave of a man named Philemon, or if you want to slabify it, Philemon, right? One of the shortest books in the New Testament. Onesimus was that slave who Paul was sending on back. But notice, you know, he was a dear brother to Paul, and he was also a fellow Colossae. He's from the area of Colossae. Now, as he moves on from there, he starts talking about this man Aristarchus. Now, notice, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. Now, whether this means that Aristarchus is there helping Paul in his prison, imprisonment, or if he was also in prison, we're not exactly sure, but he was also, you know, Aristarchus was somebody who, he was a Thessalonian, and he also suffered some sort of persecution, and then you get Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. Now, we know Mark as John Mark, who penned at Peter's behest the Gospel of Mark, and if you recall from Paul's first missionary journey, there was a big dispute because Mark left them along the way, and Paul and Barnabas ended up splitting up over the fact that Barnabas wanted Mark to come and work with them again. Now, it's interesting because you, you read into this where it's like, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, and he says, about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. Because you can imagine that as the, you know, the book of Acts was getting out and the story of what was going on with Paul was getting out, that you know, maybe Mark didn't have the best testimony. And it's a great reminder because even though Mark left the first missionary journey and it caused a big issue between Paul and Barnabas, You know, Mark is still loved by the Apostle Paul. And and by the time you get to 2 Timothy, he, he says, hey, bring Mark to me. He's useful to me in ministry. And so, listen, just because you maybe made a mistake along the way doesn't mean that God's done with you. And I always think about that when I think about Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. And then, of course, there's a man named Jesus who is called Justice you know, and it says, these are my fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision. They have proved a comfort to me. So this idea that Aristarchus and Mark and now Jesus, who is called Justice, they were all a Jewish believers in Jesus and they worked alongside the apostle Paul. Then he moves to verse 12, Epaphras. And Epaphras, he said, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, he greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete In all the will of God, for I bear him witness that he has a great zeal for you and those who are in Laodicea and those who are in Hierapolis. And so, really, Epaphras, a lot of people believe Epaphras started the church in Colossae, and you really see his pastoral heart because all he wants is to see the church in Colossae be matured, be complete. And in a lot of ways, that's what it means to be a fully engaged family member. You say, I add what I can add into what God is doing so that people may grow up, that people may fully realize God's will for their lives. As the list continues, verse 14, Luke, the beloved physician. Now, of course, this is Luke who penned the gospel of Luke, also penned the book of Acts. The, Luke was called the doctor, and it's interesting when you read Luke's gospel, there's a lot more medical diagnoses in, in Luke's writing, because when you see something like, oh, this person had dropsy, this person had this, this person had that, because he was a doctor. And then, of course, you have a man named Demas, and uh, Demas, ultimately, in Second Timothy chapter 4, it Paul says that Demas forsook him, but at this point, you know, Demas was also a part of what was going on. So this was before there was some sort of issue with Demas. And then he wants to remind them to greet not only the folks who were in Colossae, but also in Laodicea, which was also there in the Lycus Valley, and then Nymphis and the, and the church that was in his house. So there's somebody who's leading a house church. In Hierapolis, and he wanted to make sure they got greeted as well. And so you realize that the Apostle Paul, he's fully engaged in the family of
0: faith. Jesus is real. The Apostle Paul shared greetings from and to several people in his letter to the Colossian church. He did this in many of his letters, telling all of us a variety of ministry that was happening in his time. Today, Pastor Daniel reminded you that you too are part of a great work of ministry in this world right now. You're called to contribute to God's plans by using the unique gifts and talents he's given you. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel Fusco here to tell you about my book, Upward, Inward, and Outward.
1: You've heard me talk about these three directions for living again and again on Jesus Is Real Radio, and I think they're so important. I wanted to write a book to explain even more upward, inward, and outward teaches you the importance of developing a right relationship with God and how that teaches you to love yourself well, from those two healthy relationships can spring a well of love for people around you. And that's what transforms our world.
0: Find out more and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel continues to talk about the ways you can be a part of God's work here on earth. He'll encourage you to pray for others, for leaders, and for missions happening elsewhere. He'll remind you that you can take steps of faith in giving of your finances. And he'll remind you of the wonderful gift of grace you've been given and that you can bless someone else by sharing that grace. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again. For the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.